Everyone knows mm-hmm. cool guys don't look at explosions. Mm-hmm. I'm not cool. <laughs> All right, <laughs> you said it. <laughs> and I think that's the show. Okay. <laughs> You're listening to The Critical Channel, a show about engineering leadership, culture, software architecture, and several other very easy problems with Maxim Kravitz, Italo Vietro, Warner Bukoy, and myself, Kieran Patel. This week's topic, on call. Max, how are you this week? I'm actually doing well, I think. It's just kind of sick with this pandemic already. Like, like, properly sick. It was kind of okay before, and now it's just like... Well, hopefully you're not properly sick, because that's kind of... Oh, no, 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 not. <laughs> Thankfully, no. But, uh... Yeah, for, for anyone who yeah. hasn't heard, there's a pandemic on. Breaking still... news brought to you by the Critical Channel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, speaking of which, the Critical Phone hasn't rung since... I don't know. Long time ago? Yeah, that makes I... me happy. I see your segue attempt, and I will take it. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Hooray! <laughs> so this, uh, the idea of this episode, uh, we are going to do a probably a multi-parter. I don't know if it's going to be a two-parter or a three-parter. It depends how much we have to talk about. Um, but we figured, you know, th- this is the critical channel. I, I, as I remind everybody in the voiceover at the start of every episode, and. Uh, and yet, we have not yet talked about critical incidents, incident response, on-call, postmortems, all that good stuff. So, um, this episode, which may be interrupted shortly by Warner coming back, but this episode, uh, the idea is for us to do the, the first part of talking about the, the critical process, the incident process, um, which is talking about on-call scheduling. Uh, the 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 state of life when you are the on-call person and also uh, how to create an on-call schedule how to how to make the most out of that kind of necessity that you have it's although i assume you have done a lot of work in building an on-call schedule i did yeah definitely and um it's not easy even if you know with a big team or a small team doesn't matter the the diff the, the like it's super hard still yeah so the big really one matter. is a disaster the small one is too small yes i think the the, the requirements are different and the needs are different they but, are um but so like my first question to you which is definitely a loaded question but it is uh why why did you build an on-call team what was the uh it's a good question so even before like we even before we start having like a let's say incidents in our in our company right like i joined the company straight away and then i started like okay like how many incidents do we have per i don't know you know per month nobody knew how to answer that question i was like okay so maybe we should start actually measuring that and at that point in time i was like okay i need at least someone to you know 
do some on-call rotation. And obviously, I was the first person to be there and then another developer together with me. And then every week, we would just rotate between ourselves. Um, we never actually got any any alerting or, you know, the phone never rang, which is great, um, until we start changing the system, which is normally when your phone will ring eventually. Then I was like, okay, I need to create a, I need to create at least some sort of process. And the team starts scaling up a little bit. And I just wanted to create a process that, you know, would, would support us to have some sort of like reflection of what happened and why it happened and how can we avoid, you know, to, to let, to let it happen again. Um, so I think I do, I've done this like after six months after I joined the current company that the current company that I'm currently in. And then I was like, cool. Now I have some metrics and funny enough last week. No, sorry, not last week, this week, um, our QM department. So our quality management department asked all the reports from our incidents and like, which kind of incidents do we, did we have? How many were critical? Um, you know, what is our metrics for MT? TR, MTTA, MTT something else, MTBF. I was like, good thing that I have it. Good thing that I have it because now I don't need to worry about. So it was worth it. But that was the reason. I just wanted to build some sort of a schedule to be on the safe side in case something happened. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like you kind of launched it very lean and maybe it's it's become a bit more sophisticated as you Absolutely. figured out what Absolutely. your yeah, we started like very, very lean and simple, but at least with one thing in mind, if a problem happens, we have to write a postmortem. That's the only thing that I wanted in, in the first, you know, in the first, very first iterations of this. Um, because with the postmortem, we then start to have proper systems, like we use Opschini, and then it really helped us out, like figuring out the amount of time we spend on an incident. And then those metrics kind of were being recorded by OpsGenie itself. And then later we start integrating automated alerts, etc. So the story goes on and on, but definitely. We start lean and then today is way more sophisticated and for us way better. Mm -hmm. See, um, I mean, go going back to the, the good old days, uh, I think historically you would have people who were specifically hired as, as, you know, these are the on-call engineers. Like I, you know, I'm actually like actually hiring you to be the developer person and I'm hiring <laughs> you to be the person who fixes all this guy's crap when he, when he makes a mess. Yeah. Um, yeah, no. Well, obviously, yeah, no, but, uh, I think th these days that's, that's God knows what happens in stodgy like SAP companies and whatnot. But I think in the kind of companies that we're used to that, that doesn't happen um, anymore. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I wouldn't be surprised that still a lot of companies are actually functioning in the good old way, which I remember from on call or actually always on call, which it was uh, you're out partying on Friday night after three bottles of wine and it's like two o'clock in the morning and somebody calls you from the factory or from, in my case, a printing press. And yeah, good luck going to the printing press and doing data changes because one of the printing printers or presses in this case broke. Like, I think there's still a lot of companies working that way where there is no on-call. There is no, no concept of, oh, of any schedule. Absolutely. I, I remember there, there was a company that I was working on like a few years ago. Well, 
not a few anymore, like almost a decade ago. And um, this company had or used to have like a team called the Bug Team, right? Like, so they're, they're Bug Team. Yeah, the Bug Team. It's an amazing name. Where they introduced them? Main, <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought, right? <laughs> but their main task is basically solving the bugs that everybody else causes. This is a job, right? Nobody wants to be in a bug team. Like they, they kind of like. I mean, no, 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 Warner. You're you're doing something completely different. Like seriously, like this bug team is terrible. Um, yeah, that sounds like. No, it does. It doesn't whatever, sound good mind. at all, and it didn't really work <laughs> at all, right? So people just got frustrated at the end and. Um, so were they were they also taking like out of hours responsibility and and being paged and and whatnot as well? Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Were they yeah, always that's, forgotten that's... when it was like about, absolutely nobody about... would communicate with them at nope. all, right? Like every change that was there deployed by some other team, they would just not get notified at all. And then eventually, when he broke, the other team was you know in a party somewhere at three a.m. in the morning, and then suddenly, oh, you know, the other team like had to fix person, it. Yeah. Yeah, so but that's like, the good old the good good old toss it over the wall kind of stuff. I remember interviewing yeah. for a big company in, in Groningen way back when. And they were actually so proud because they had their development development teams which would create all the software. And then they had their what, what a runtime team. And the it was literally like a maintenance team or something? Yeah. No, it was the kind of the good, like good toss old it over operations. the wall concept. People yeah, it's, it's, people it's good old things. operations all over again. We're, we're, yeah. we're yeah. moving dangerously close to my favorite job title. Before <laughs> DevOps was a thing, you go. know? <laughs> In- actually, I would also say that depending on the company, it was still a thing. Like, I remember that the first websites I actually worked on were job boards. And I guess we were a small company, but one of the things was there. Like, yes, we had a guy who was really good at sysadmin, way better than I will ever be. Um but it was still the case, like, okay, if something happened, uh, I was the one being called, like, yeah. or the person who was working on it would be called. Like, there was there was this concept of ownership, and I think this is something which, which is really important, even with an on-call system. Like, if you have an on-call schedule, like, make sure you page the right guy, if if possible, or try yeah, uh, try yeah, yeah, a really. triage and then call the right guy. That, sure, that is which I think... Um, gets a little bit to where to where I was going with this, which is like, you know, okay, maybe a lot of people are still doing the, the good old way of doing things of uh having of as you as you put it, throwing it over the wall. But um I think it's definitely if if it if it if not the norm, it's definitely kind of not the the sexy way of doing things that that uh, your Googles and your Airbnbs and whatnot are doing these days. So um I think a lot of the time that while there, you know, there may be like SREs in, in Google speak or something who are kind of around always to, to help with these issues. The, uh, the major critical rotation and the, the people who are doing that triage are normally, you know, how, um, they can be people from all over the organization. They can be engineers from various different teams and things. Uh, and I think it's kind of quite interesting to uh, explore how you would build out that that on-call team of like various people, how you would choose them and uh, how you would help them succeed. Because I, I, I think we've, um, we've already kind of said that, okay, the throwing it over the wall approach doesn't work. So how, how does the other approach work better? That's kind of what I want mm-hmm. to explore. I, 
it's like I had it, it depends in which scale you're also talking about, right? Because um I have a different approach today for for the scale that I have at my company, which is way smaller than when I had at N26, for instance, right? Um but I have also two different experiences, which is super funny. Like over the big companies, I was like, you know, you would always have the problem of should each team have a person which would be on call because they know a little bit more about a team? Or should we have a single team which is mixed with a bunch of different kind of engineers that would go over the run books or whatever if something happens and then otherwise reach out to the SMEs, right? And uh, and help them out. At my previous company, I was like, that's how it worked. We had a team, right? It was a very, not a very big team, to be honest, like, but big enough for about, I don't know, 35 teams that we had over there, maybe more. And it would be one team across all of those. And that didn't really scale. Right. At that size of the company, that didn't, didn't really scale because the people that were receiving the, the alerts or the pages, they were literally clueless on what to do. Right. So they, they just had to go after the SMEs at the end and then, hey, you have to help me out here and, and please help me out. <laughs> and they really got scared. And where here, where I am today, like I, it's a pretty small company. So I have like four teams right now. And uh, the four teams have, what, five people each. So it's pretty okay. I normally choose one of each team to be there. But this is an overkill. Because when you're such a small company, you kind of know the system overall. Or at least, you you know, more or less, you know everything. Um, but still, I chose to have like one pe one person of each team on call. Because once we scale up, that will help us the way I want to set up the whole team, the whole schedule team, the whole on-call team. Like, like um, sorry, one on-call just all the time or do they rotate? No, they rotate, shifts? they rotate, they rotate inside the team, inside their own team. Ah, so it's like some other person every time. Exactly. Yeah, every week they rotate and then, you know, you have a different, like, as I said, four teams. So you have four teams, on four people on-call team. And one from from each team, and they rotate every week. So, so any end, given week, there are four people who can exactly. be paged. Okay, exactly. okay but I, exactly. like, like the first thing I always ask with these kind of things, because I think that's a discussion which I've heard a lot of times. It's like I fully agree with this setup, by the way, because in the end, it is, allows you to scale. And even if it might be overkill, it's still, I think, often a better setup. But compensation, I think this is one of those things where mm -hmm. people often say, "Yeah, we need uncle, we need criticals, we need to have people available," but how do you compensate them as well? Yeah, yeah, that's a very good question. Um, so we can before, address this later as well. Yeah. <laughs> so, at you know when when I was working at the bank, when we had almost limitless cash, that was easy. We used to pay like super super high for everybody that was on on the on call team. This had a problem though, because everybody wanted to be on call for a while because they would get a lot of money and not enough pages. So the ratio of compensation is super good. You get almost free money for like a week of on-call. Until again, hyper growth happened and then a lot of pages started happening and nobody wanted to be in the team anymore, even if we were paying almost 2,000 euros per week for you to be on a call. It was 
ridiculous the amount of money there. Still, nobody wanted to be there in that team. So in a smaller company, I don't have the luxury of have that amount of money or to pay. And even if I did, I wouldn't pay that much. But what I did instead is that we have, so we do a mix of payment and, and day offs, right? So some people prefer to have a day off and that's fine. One or two days off, depends. Um, is it day off just because you had a shift or only if you had an incident? No, no. Just if you have a shift, you have a day off. That's it. Um, or or you pay or you get paid. Getting paid, of course, we can't really get paid or paid too high. Because first of all, we have to be very mindful where we invest the money. And most of people are just fine with the day off. Because normally you have, you know, you rotate what in the year, in the month, sorry. You're going to rotate at least once a month because the team is small. So, yeah, you get almost one day off per month, which is which is great. Extra 10 or 12 days off a year is yeah, pretty year. nice, actually, yeah. That's, exactly. that's actually really good compensation, I would say. Like, yeah. Something I would honestly start thinking about. It's really good. It's working well. People are happy. Um, you Depends know, on the of, amount of incidents, you know. Yeah, that's yeah, the but thing. Again, like, that's, if, that's where I would get next. Uh, if you If you have a nice week or month without an incident awesome totally worth it or you know just one incident here and there totally worth it if you have like a lot of incidents which happened with us around like i don't know september last year for many different reasons um you know that compensation was really well received by the by the people in the team because they could make use of it right afterwards everybody was like super tired and and just they just want to do that take take some rest um so that was awesome but Right now we're pretty chilled, like in terms of incidents, we're like way more stable and and now it's just like really people don't call, paying attention to the alerts. If something happens, Opsgenie will page us and we we will know. In the worst scenario, uh customer care will page us because customers are being affected by something we don't monitor, but that's another topic. But yeah, that's basically that's basically the compensation model that we're doing there in a smaller company, a smaller scale. I think it's still a decent compensation model because one good thing which you really get it out of here is the ownership. Because yeah. if the team itself is rotating through, um, then you get the ownership. Of course, you might have somebody like me who just doesn't do on call and flatly refuses it. And I, I do have one one person in one of the teams which is just not comfortable doing on call, and th- that's totally fine. They just don't be. They are not part of the rotation, and that's fine. You know, like still does his job really well and that's it so mm-hmm. no no worries there it's not us. an expectation for him to to do that no i i don't like to put this as an expectation because it will set the wrong culture in the end sometimes like, this kind of comes as an implicit expectation just because everyone else is on true. call and then you have this kind of like invisible pressure from the team even if people don't say anything yeah, they're like yeah. hey you're you're this one then every time you, let's say, have a code review or something, you're like, you know what? Yeah. You're not going to be paged for this. So that's why I'm going to be like applying more point. scrutiny and yada, yada, which is... Well, this is where, like, hopefully there's some kind of culture of empathy and you, you like, because if you're the, the guy who's not doing the on-call, no matter how good your reasons are, even if it's not expected of you, even if everyone's fine with it, if you're worried about what people think, 
you you still are you know you're worried about causing issues you you become more worried than probably the people who have to wake up and fix the issue about causing an issue because you don't want to be the asshole who causes them oh i hope i hope you are i mean exactly I, I, so I, I, yeah. figuratively but that, that's also about. one of those things like you have to like again it comes also down to culture you have people who actually don't care at some point they become so jaded that they will introduce bugs and still not care i think for me it's one of those reasons why i'm very particular in certain cases where i'm like I honestly don't want to be the person waking somebody up at 4 o'clock in the morning. Then again, I'm also one of those people who often jumps into two or three day long running criticals or criticals which keep happening three or four days in a row. And at that point saying like, okay, now I'm done with it. Tell me what's going on. And I'll dig yeah. in myself with the knowledge that is there. And I have to say I have a pretty decent success rate in fixing the thing yeah so something that, that that's come up a few times in the past couple of minutes while we've been talking about this is this this idea of uh fear of the people are either scared or unwilling or they, they you know we talked about compensation they they needs to be an incentive for, for them to do uh on call other than you know just kind of caring about the the company and hoping that that and, and wanting it to to work out right um and I think you know we can definitely. It'll probably be next episode. We will uh, we'll talk about much more the the process of when you're when you're in the middle of an incident. But I think we can definitely talk a little bit now about like where where those bad parts of being on call are and why the why you require to to give the incentive of it and uh, well partly why Warner doesn't do it, but also I don't think it's fear from Warner's point of view. Uh, but I, I've definitely kind of I've definitely met and worked with and and had to convince engineers who were maybe engineers who were thinking oh i would like to do on call because i'd like to do it but like i'm scared of like what if xyz happens and, and having to kind of coach them through that um so i think like definitely we, we mentioned having to be woken up at 4 a.m that's definitely like a something that something. i've done way too oh. much of um but yeah, it also becomes a different issue. different big change, right? I mean, if you have to wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning and I have a daughter, a, a small daughter, my wife wakes up at 5 o'clock in the morning, waking up at 4 o'clock in the morning will basically, I, I won't be able to care for my family. So at that point, I'm kind of like, that was the reason why I'm still not doing it. My that was the reason why I stopped. also wake them up, which will wreck oh, everyone's will. day, not only yours, yeah. which, mm. as unfortunate as it is, happens quite often. No, this this was the reason I stopped. You know, if if the the pager goes off at three o'clock in the morning for me, that's fine because I'll fix the problem and then I don't have to go into work the next morning because that is also a Pure policy law. that that is a good one to have because uh -huh. you know I'm going to be bloody useless the next day. Uh, my partner, no such luck. She gets woken up by by the pager as much as I do, and yet the incident wasn't her company and she's like, you know, having to crawl into work at. at the normal time during in the morning so. yeah and then it's gonna have a very bad day exactly yep. so it's not, a, it's not even only that right like being on call is a stressful kind of a stressful event right because especially if, if you know incidents happen very often you're gonna be you're gonna be in high alert mode your body is gonna be in high alert mode all the time expecting something to happen right like hey is this gonna page you know what? I want to go to the supermarket. What the hell? Like, if this pages, I'm I'm screwed right now. 
So, it, you know, like this kind of tension that you get, implicit tension in your body, it's going to happen regardless if you want it or not. Yeah, plus um, you're sleep deprived and generally yeah. more tired than usual. Yeah. More likely yeah, this, to make mistakes. But this is, this is solvable, right? Like this is what you yeah. solve with a rotation, with saying, uh, like I know certain companies which have uh, even a day shift and a night shift. Where they say mm. you have a day on call and you have an, an evening on call, which I think actually once you're in a certain size and definitely once you want to um, stick within certain com- cultures, uh, laws or, comp- or country laws, you actually already have to do that because you're not allowed to work X amount of hours in a row. And if yeah. you have a big critical, you see those kind of things happening as well. So I think that is one big thing. Um, I would, however, say that I've done critical uh, on call or back then it was just called be there when we call you. Um, they didn't have a name for it back then, um, but I've done that. Come on, we enjoyed this advice. in the past. That that w- Not that we were much against. Maybe later, oh, yeah. but that started at the very beginning. We're like, yeah, yeah, call comes, me anytime. It comes back to the hero culture that we talked about a, a while ago. That no, was the fun of yeah. our Also, you don't know better. Most likely you're single or mm-hmm. your partner yep. doesn't care. Mm-hmm. Life is life is different when you're twenty, right? So that was yeah. much easier. Yeah, but don't forget how many skills you do learn during criticals, right? Like, yeah. I mean, even with the on-call culture and like being able to be called and fix a problem, like you learn a lot of skills, which is definitely when you're twenty. Uh, I would honestly say it's very important to do that. And when you have the ability, I mean, assuming you're twenty and you're single and or assuming maybe not single, but you're living alone. Assuming you're willing to learn, because if you are not, then it doesn't matter whether you, like, you can learn nothing during the critical as well as you can learn nothing during the normal day, and the opposite is also true. Yeah, so, yeah. agreed. I think I, I think I learned more doing on call than in any other aspect of my career ever. Like, I honestly just uh, mostly, I mean, you le- you le- you gain a lot of domain knowledge obviously of the you know where you are and of like the way that your various systems and services interact with each other there's not necessarily transferable knowledge but there's also just um there's a, a lot that i learned about debugging like how to use tcp dump or well that one tcp dump command that i know when i copy paste into my terminal every time i need it but like you know i wouldn't know that if i haven't been on call so so i agree with one part that you learned a lot but it's not necessarily during on call it's you learn a lot when you investigate some interesting and tricky cases when mm-hmm. you debug something that you know no one have faced before yes that's when you learn or someone has faced it but you didn't get a chance to talk to that person so you have to go through the process of figuring this out but this doesn't have to be a critical every time right it can be an early warning that the team decided to react to so let's not romanticize on call more than it is already i mean you um you were right it was well. completely the hero culture uh, see the previous episode but you know i by learning that much you you kind of it, it feels good right you feel like oh I, you know I'm, I'm getting all this extra knowledge about how to copy and paste one single tcp don't command and and look at the output um <laughs> I got to the, you know, I, I was at a, a 
punk rock concert once and there was a, there was an incident and I was on call and and it got to the point where and it was a TCP dump command written in the bathroom like sprayed on the wall <laughs> yeah it was just it like scratched everything. in with a knife no but I you know I was like oh guys I want to deploy I'm in the middle of a I'm in the middle of a concert I want to deploy because you know uh nerds <laughs> I think, mm-hmm. um, but I think when when too many of them happen, you do kind of become complacent to them, and um, the the level of disruption not not just to sleep and not just to you know not being able to go to the cinema or anything like that, but the level of, of disruption it has to your productivity and the entire team's productivity when that happens. Your goal should always be to to not need the on call schedule. In fact, it, uh-huh. if you're if you're paying compensation to your on-call engineers, which, yes, you should be. But your goal should be to pay your engineers for nothing. I but have a me, question. Let, or, let me actually go ahead. Put, it, put something in there first, because I think this is really important. Like, I fully agree you don't need a, a on-call schedule. You shouldn't need an on-call schedule at all. And that was my daughter, by the way. Um, um, but it is something that you will have up ending, ending to have up. Um, I also think that one misconception is often that the team actually cares. Because if you have exactly what we said before, if you have one or two people in a team of 10 who are doing the rotation between themselves all the time, they might people be the people feeling the pain of the critical, but somebody else might, the rest of the team might not. And I think this is what I've seen in certain cases as well, where there's two people giving if doing the on-calls uh, and they're burned out and freaked out all the time. But the rest of the team, nope. Well, first off, nice save. Mm-hmm. Second off, uh, those. what if those two people want out? What if they don't want to be on the schedule anymore, but then nobody else wants to tap in? So I, I want to ask my question because it's, I think it's very Go much it. related. Yep. So why do we need on-call like, to begin with? Like, why? What's the reason? Something is probably bad in your system and you're not even noticing it. Well, either that or, as as you pointed out, before um, before you were changing more stuff. I don't know. Let's go higher. May, like may high, I just higher, say customer high, experience? Higher levels. Don't, don't. Yeah, Warner, like, you're going the right reason. direction. Forget the technical part. Technical part doesn't matter as much. We need on call because we deliver service that people are paying money for. And then the service stops working and people are still paying money in most cases. So we as a company feel obliged to do something, right? Well, it's less about feeling obliged and more about, you know, you are going to lose those customers. Uh, that's how bad press that's about another reason. That, that's not the only reason. You There's this, there is also reputation. Like some companies just can't afford to show 404 on the website for, you know, yeah. more than three seconds just because it's generally, I guess, considered bad throughout the industry. Yeah, you lose customers. So all these things. So... None of this is necessarily technical. So you don't have on-call because you fear that you might break something. You have on-call for when you break something, you need it to be fixed ASAP. Hence the question, uh, do we even like, or you guys, what experience do you have? How, How do you negotiate this with basically, let's say the management team? and other teams, because it's not just all these compensation questions and a bunch of other questions that are related, all this like wearing people out and not necessarily making them, but like convincing them to do on-call. This all also has to be 
sort of in alignment with the rest of the organization, right? Yeah, overall, uh, yeah. Well, today I think I am in a very privileged position that I can make that statement much easier to go through to C-level, for instance, which before I couldn't. Um, but still with the team, you have to make a point on why Why do you want them to be on call, right? Like you said, mm -hmm. like one thing that I, li I like to do and I still do is that I normally show how much it costs if we're down, right? Mm -hmm. I, nobody ever showed me this in any of the companies that I worked. Um, but I like to work in a very transparent way. So I normally calculate, okay, how much it costs for our company to be out for 15 minutes and show the number, right? Show the number. Mm -hmm. And uh, I showed the number. And a lot of people just like, okay, that's a lot of money. I didn't even know that it, that was possible. And then you show how you calculate that number in, and they get interested. Like They're like, oh, so this is the amount of work that I am doing right now. And this is how it's going to be affected if, I, you know, if we have a problem. So making them realize that kind of impact in just, like, in just financial terms. I'm not even talking about like the bad branding that you can get out of that. All oh, the yeah, PR issues, that, et cetera. Which is impossible to calculate, but this yeah, number that's like would very, have been very much, much subjective. And, Those sometimes know. are even more impactful than the financial Yeah, part. absolutely. It's way harder to come back from a brand disaster than from a financial disaster. So, And one thing leads to the other at the end. But I, sh I normally show them like, hey, this is the amount of money we're going to actually not earn if we're down, right? Or sometimes then, like right away lose because there are things that, right away that, lose, that yeah. sometimes you make money like sort of in real time. And if you're down, exactly. You're... Yeah, if you have like ads or whatever, if you run in an ads company, yeah. then definitely that's super bad. Or there is like another service that is dependent on you, bunch of things. Yeah, you can Absolutely. right away lose them. But I think the point here trading. is like, it's, it's making <laughs> sure trading. Yeah. Like don't even mention trading. Like that's a mission critical system. The Ethereum today. network goes down. I don't yeah. even want to think No, even that. like you worked, uh, for N26, right? It's yeah. the same thing when yeah. like some of the banking apps, I, I know nothing about banking applications, but I would assume that if some of them are down, you're losing money, not just yeah, not making absolutely. them. You're, you're losing, losing lots them. and lots and lots of transactions. And not even that you're impacting other departments. And th that's the point that I wanted to make is like, you know, like if you show not only the number of how expensive it is to be down, show it to the team and, and make sure they are aware of that. Also show the impact that it's going to have in other departments, right? Like customer care, for instance, which is normally the one that suffers the most whenever we go down. Um, show the impact of how much money those people are costing the company now. And um, also show and that's what I like to do at least, um, aside from the financial topic, then show the branding kind of matter. Like, oh, the branding is going to be affected mm -hmm. by being down this amount of time. Which and depends on what you do, right? Like depends in, on what you do. Yeah. 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 But, but even if you do pretty much nothing, branding is still a big part. Not not necessarily branding, just like no, a general reputation thing. Reputation, like yeah. That's how, 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 how of course, but that's very are. different if you're Datadog. Because you need those like 86 nines of uptime or whatever mm -hmm. versus if you're like an e-commerce store or something like, okay, it's still bad to be down, but losing some nines of uptime isn't going to, yeah. isn't going to hurt you but as then, much. Then we, we enter in a topic, which is error budget, right? Mm -hmm. Which is basically how much. Which is probably another episode, how let's much, be honest, like, but yeah. Yeah. 
So it's basically how much you can afford to be down, right? And how much budget you have across your year. But, and, and that varies in the company and depending on the industry you are. In our case, for instance, being down, because we are in such a competitive market right now and it's, it's starting to boom in, in Germany at least. If we go down, the other, the competitor is not down. So customers will go to the competitor. That is terrible. We yeah, cannot that, that, afford that's to be down. I would down. say another good reason. Like I like very much all that you say, like the, all these reasons. And I think all the reasons you mentioned, and I guess you will have some more reasons. Uh, they, I think both work, work for both, let's say the engineers themselves and the management team. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But that's, that, that's basically the case that I've built to not convince people to be on call but to show the value of being on call, like how big the value is, right? Like how much mm -hmm. contribution they will be making on being part of the on-call team. Because I'm that uh, annoying person, I want to add that it's not just the value of being on call. Let's also say that this is also value of uh, doing your job right, making sure that you have absolutely. tests, doing all the yeah. preventive maintenance. And like basically, That's... as Werner said, or no, I think Kieran said that your goal is not to have on-call. But this doesn't yeah. mean, oh, just don't have it. This doesn't mean, like, you know, no. ne never start to need it. This means, like, yeah. do everything that you're still going to have it. But please put as much effort as you possibly can during normal working hours. Yeah. So that to not you have. won't have critical. Exactly. Well, yeah, I, I mean. There will still I, be those that happen because, not because of you, that let's say Facebook third can party. go down or some third yeah. party can go down. This is some other AWS poor person, you know, then, made okay, a mistake. Like, yeah. and it wasn't no, I have, you, I have an like, interesting story, like from, from the banking world where, and this is public, so everybody can read about it. But there, I remember there was an incident back in the days and we were like, oh, what's going on? And our alerting system were, were, were actually paging us and, you know, transactions were not coming in anymore. And we're like, what, wait, what? And we got billions of transactions per month. That's not normal. And then MasterCard was down. And then we're like, what? MasterCard is down. Nobody remember would ever that. expect yeah, that. Yeah, I happen. think I remember that. Okay. So, but this overloaded our customer care because nobody was prepared for, you know, for MasterCard being down. There was no proactive reach out to customers not because we didn't want to, but because we didn't know the MasterCard would go down, right? And then, and in the customer's view, it's your bank that is actually going down, not MasterCard. Mm -hmm. And that is a bad PR by just like, you know, I, I'm, in a, I'm in a shop and I cannot complete my transaction because my bank is terrible, which is not the case. It's just MasterCard was down. So this was like super splash kind of um, effect coming from a MasterCard's incident which triggered our incident team as well. Nobody knew what the hell was going on until we actually saw in the system like, hey, MasterCard API is actually not responding anymore. So no transactions are coming in. And then our customer care was overloaded. So there you go. Like this was like, you know, a completely nobody in the team was aware that something like that could happen. And it wasn't nobody nobody's fault in our team right it was a completely third-party system that affected our system and affected our reputation in the end there's an interesting way of seeing things as well yeah which i i think is the perfect answer to maxim's question which is like you know why do we have on call well it like the goal 
is not to need on call, but sometimes things happen that are out of your control and you want to be able to respond to those and mitigate those issues as quickly as possible. Now, if MasterCard is down and you deal with banking transactions with MasterCard, maybe there's nothing you can do. But if, it, you know, sometimes these things happen, it is something that you are in control of or that you can, maybe it's a, a part of the system that you can like quickly cut out and still like provide a degraded performance or something like that, right? Yeah. Um, and we can get onto that in a later episode as well, like talking about how do you resolve an issue in the quickest possible way. Ultimately, yeah, though, your your goal is to to have a team of people who you pay every week to, to rotate, but never have to take a call because that is way cheaper than them having to take a call and not getting paid for it or way cheaper than not having a team and just being down all night. Yeah, that's true. Which again, um, don't get me wrong, for some companies, that's actually fine. Which is also one thing, like, we like to think that we need to be on call, we need to have all this kind of monitoring. Sorry, you have companies out there where it really doesn't matter. That harks back to my question. Like, we all in the company need to agree, why are we doing this? Mm -hmm. We don't start on call just because we... No, I guess some engineers might start it just because they used to have it. And it's like, oh, how come we don't have on call? So we, we... urgently need to start something but normally you would as i guess with every other decision you'd like to have this question answered like hey what do we need this for Mm. yeah absolutely like having also like when you have a team that can self-organize and have their own on-call team sometimes it works especially if it's a small team and they normally do it because they were used to have it and that's super cool um, although they might not be compensated because they don't have the approval of management. So yeah, sometimes works, sometimes doesn't. But overall, as you said, like you have to go to your whatever management team, whatever C-level team you have, and then buy them in, right? Explain why you're doing this, show the metrics, show the results, show data to actually say, hey, this is worth it. And our goal is actually not to have any issues, but if we do, we have a team that is prepared to you know, deal with it. Oh yeah, show them studies of like sleep deprived people and all, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, all these other good. things. That helps as well. well how sleep deprived people really cause more issues this. by being sleep deprived and making mistakes as well. So yeah, uh, I, I, yeah, I think exactly. there was a Top Gear episode, or was it uh, at least one of those British uh, series where they basically kept somebody driving in in like a track for hours on end, and I think they stopped at like seventy two hours, and it was basically better to drink a keg of beer. And go behind the wheel, then drive a car after not oh, sleeping yeah. for like 48 I've, hours I've or something there. like that. No, not driving for this many hours, but I've been there when you look at the road and you just, you, you can feel like you're collapsing. Yeah, it's terrible. And this usually there, means so. that it's already bad because first several hours you don't feel anything. You have this micro-sleep micro things, but you don't feel it. And then the hallucinations and I, think, I think this is something you have to keep in mind as well. Like you have to keep one thing in mind when we're doing these on-call schedules and everything, great. But once a critical is running, and sometimes you have those criticals which just keep running. And I think this is something very important with those uncrowned criticals. And I've, this is still what I'm even missing within the company I'm currently at. It is this concept of, okay, after four hours on the critical, sorry, you're burnt. Like, you're mm. flat on your face. You can hand over for about an hour, but you need to have that handover. And this yeah, is what yeah, I, which I often see. Those are the long-running ones. 
that people have a critical and definitely when you have those really long running ones like the ones which take we had i think the longest one which i've ever seen here uh here was like 24 hours oh no we had the 72 hours one yeah we, yeah. we, yeah, we had, had the, we had the 72 hours one for more than yeah, yeah we, we did <laughs> I, no, but when, at least when it was there, we yeah. did. Yes. That, was, that was a, that was a okay. that's yeah. great weekend. Uh, Warner, what you're saying, that's yet another reason why I want management to buy in. Because quite often what you need to do, you need to put on pause or stop some of the initiatives. You need to yeah. roll something back, stop the rollout, remove some new shiny features that... I don't know, earn us this much money, but wear out our employees and stuff like that. So... Yeah. Uh, without everyone's agreeing, and we've we've been there, right? We've been there when there is a critical because some someone deployed something that must have been deployed, and that's it. And you can't roll yeah. it back, so you have to fix yeah. it no matter what. I'm, I'm yeah. going to say my favorite word: API gateway. Ah, yeah. <laughs> I remember this. I remember no, I mean, well, that, that's we, another we, episode that will never get released. Yeah. But yeah, no, okay. we, we we all have these things. No. And yeah, th there is always something like that. And yeah, but we just need to, I guess, learn our lesson. Yeah, basically. But I mean, yeah, overall, like we have, we have different scenarios here and there, but um, the outcome of, a, of an incident and like, th doesn't matter how long it is. That's why I like the postmortem so much is because then in the postmortem, if you put how much money you actually loss from what you just said maxim like taking out a feature a fancy new feature that you put in the in the website or something and actually showing that to management like they can they can actually realize oh sh you know oh this is this is terrible like you know it's not a good solution now and, and we have to rework this a little bit better we have to rethink this and then redeploy in a better state more monitoring whatever it is whatever initiative it is um, but also for product people, it's super important because now they realize that rushing some things doesn't really help. So sometimes you have that um, outcome out of the postmortem, right? I had this experience here at least, worked. Um, but in some other companies, they just don't care and they're just like, ah, we'll do it again. Or, or it doesn't reach them, which also happens Or it doesn't often. reach them. Yeah, yeah. Oh, quite often. Like, And sometimes I guess I come across as does this engineering guy who's just doesn't really like product but it's <laughs> yeah not really like that we as in like we engineers quite often do really i would say fail to communicate things properly in the also mm -hmm. using the language that will uh make understanding easier yeah, and let's be honest some some products of product are kind of easier to explain to an engineer than the other way around because the stuff that we do is like sometimes super duper specific. Yeah. <laughs> Try to it. explain why you had to roll back everything from Alpine to Ubuntu because of DNS issues. <laughs> it's it's actually not that hard. Come on. We we can derive a bunch of things that will happen. And in this particular case we can say that half the infrastructure will be going down occasionally at random for undefined period of time. Yeah, I, re then, I remember you explaining this to a PO and them looking very glazy-eyed at you. <laughs> yeah, but then again, back in the day and in the company we're talking about, these conversations weren't happening. It, it, this thing we yeah. just said, right? Like, if it doesn't happen, if it's not in a habit of the company, then obviously you'll be having a hard time. But that's why, again, we need everyone's buy-in. 
Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, that's super interesting. And also, like at least when I was in a in a you know bigger company, uh, the on call rotation team would also have one on call person for instance in com- customer care. That was super helpful. Um, it was not a technical person. Hmm. They would have their own on call shift for whatever other reasons. But that person was the person for us to go to to communicate to customers, right? So the, the on-call team would actually have like someone in customer care, which we could easily reach out and say, hey, proactively tell this to customers something is happening. Um, same in marketing, same same in other departments. And that was amazing, actually. Like it really yeah, helped out. That's super cool. That was cool. really cool. And I think that, awesome. speaking of reputation is super important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because our main concur- uh, like sorry our main competitor in the uk which is a bank that you probably know kieran mm-hmm. they do this and then we're like you know what we should do it <laughs> so because it's a super cool thing for customers so obviously we should do it um but we had no idea how to do it and then someone came up with this idea of having an on-call for different departments you know and and they are aligned together when whenever an incident happens and then you know they are accountable for actually just communicating proactively proactively uh, to customers whenever something happens so that was I love that but the cool. level of alignment throughout the non-engineering departments as well is yeah. um is rare actually for, for that it is to it is yeah yeah so and, that, and that all the other cool. departments or all the people planning releases next day when you already know that this is not going to happen or you'd prefer this not to happen rather mm. <laughs> yeah, you're not more often than not <laughs> no so, touching <laughs> no, no, touching, touching. no touching. So this actually brings me on to uh, something that I was going to ask earlier, and then we, we got a little bit derailed, which is um, who should be the people who are on call, right? So we, we spoke a little bit about uh, not having, uh, please not having a team of people who are hired to be the on-call people um, and actually delegating that throughout your engineers. Uh, and obviously the engineers who can have the work-life balance and and want to want to try it basically um but other than engineers because i i do feel like that there is a you know we i've had a lot of success in the past with the having people running into the manager roles and um having people in stakeholder roles as well who were the, the key points of contact and who are also given special privileges because they're the ones who are allowed to escalate issues to to become critical incidents right so um in order to have some level of uh, sanity to the, to the incident uh, process, you know, communication is key, and having keep having the right communication tooling and the right um, kind of points of contact and communication channels is uh, is super important throughout an incident, and also in kind of building trust uh, and allowing people to to feel comfortable saying hey like this i i think that this issue is critical and i think it's important enough to to wake somebody up for mm-hmm. um warner I, I think where you are now uh, has probably got the most sophisticated setup on that i wonder if, if there's anything you could share about how that works there so as far as i know and this is like i'm not actively in this group i work with them when they call me in uh, or when I bug butt in <clears throat> but what is not what is normal actually that we have a developer so it again it depends on the level of the critical 
So this is the first thing. So let's say we have a first a first level critical, which is the highest type we have. Uh, at that point, two people are actually woken up. One is woken up, which is the uncle engineer, and the other one is the uncle. I'm honestly not sure what the name is. Let's call it the uncle manager, or the the in that case the incident manager. And that incident manager is actually responsible for the communication. So they are not per se a technical person. Most of the time, they actually aren't a technical person. Um, sometimes they're POs, sometimes they're TPMs. Uh, I mean, I've seen people in other situations also taking up that role, and they are responsible for the communication across the organization. I wouldn't say it's always successful, but at least it helps to have that one person which, for example, customer care can talk to also, that one person which will go to the customer care Slack channel or other ways of communication and actually um, give out that information. <clears throat> I think it's also important to, sing, to say one thing which is, has changed over time here actively is the concept of the postmortem. Uh, and this is something which I want to take in there as well, because yes, an engin the engineer who was on call writes the postmortem most of the time, but actually this has changed. What we've now done is they've actually said the person who was responsible for causing the critical, that mm. team is writing the postmortem. Again, this is also hit and miss mm. because sometimes there's too, just too many teams involved, but the, that is the goal, and which actually also helps, uh, first of all, communicate again what went wrong. It also allows the root cause analysis to actually not be part of the critical anymore. So the goal of the critical at that point is to fix it, hand it over. Um, and I have to say, this actually works very well. I've also seen that in certain scenarios where there was an incident manager uh, who was doing the communication, and it was, for example, escalated to a different group, that that group decided to call in their own per person to do the communication with their stakeholders. So you actually sit there's two levels or two parts of the company which are involved, which is what we talked again, is this full buy-in from everybody. Because once you have product also being part of that critical, they, first of all, feel the pain, but they also know how to who to reach out. Like, I remember us a couple of years back when we were all in the critical, and we were asking each other, who should we read out, reach out within the organization? We just didn't know. We honestly didn't know. And this is the thing where I think exactly once you're at a certain size again, uh, having that, per that uncle manager or that PO, TPM person, <laughs> a yeah. business person, let's say it like this, involved is really important. Yeah, they can also help you with mitigation sometimes when mm. what is not working is something that might be not as critical as you think it is. They might just I tell wouldn't... you, hey, go ahead and disable it, whatever, will survive till morning. Well, and usually they have a lot of domain knowledge, even if they don't have technical knowledge. So, and mm. domain knowledge can be very, yeah. very useful in saying, okay, like the reason why this often fails is because so, like something else has failed elsewhere. Yeah. You don't necessarily need to be technical to know that's happened, but if you understand the yeah. domain properly, then that can help a lot. They, they would definitely know more than just like a random developer woken up in the middle of the night. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. But also... Like, I wouldn't even say, like, the, the, the manager or the incident manager, um, depending on the size that you have it. Like, we have we have something similar. We call it incident commander. So it's the IC. Um, and we have a scribe and, a, and then the subject matter expert. So the SME. So the scribe is normally a PO, like you say, right? It's a person that will um, 
take notes during the incident of very important things that we talk on the Slack channel. Or uh, sometimes it's someone that just have some some sort of a domain knowledge to you know contribute to the postmortem later on, whatever it is. Um, the IC is the one that actually is going to just put some order in place, just to make sure you know you communicate to the right people or um, you take notes to something that you forgot. Perhaps um, it's going to make sure that the right SMEs are reached out. Um, and the SME is the SME, who is actually just the expert of something or system or parts of the system that are just failing. Um, so we have this like normally these three roles. We used to have one more and we took it out because it wasn't really being used, uh, which is the customer li liaison? liaison. Is that how we say it? I don't liaison. know. Li liaison. liaison. Yeah. Okay, there we go. Um, which was the one that was supposed to communicate you know, to externally to other people. So, but in the end, we weren't using this too much. Describe was doing that kind of kind of a job, anyways. Um, and then it worked out. Like having this structure, even if you're a small company or a big company, really helps in the in the you know in the thing. Um, whenever you're having problems there, um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much it. That's how we organize ourselves. Okay. Cool. Thank you both for sharing. Uh, I think both of you have got a lot of experience. And uh, next week, for the first time ever, we actually have a plan of what we're going to be talking about next week, which is crazy, which is uh, we're going to be talking about the actual process of managing an incident that is ongoing. Uh, but right now, I think we're going to wrap this one up. And uh, to wrap it up, I'm going to ask all of you, starting with Max... If one of our listeners was trying to uh, come up with an on-call process or, or improve uh, an on-call process that they've inherited and is a little bit broken. These are two different things. <laughs> they are. <laughs> like and very... you can answer whichever one you prefer. But uh, what would be the advice you would give somebody? Uh, no matter what, the buy-in we mentioned, make sure it's there. Whether you're improving the process or starting, I guess, especially when you're starting a process. If you're the one responsible for the process, do everyone a favor, including yourself, and get the buy-in. If you're the one who was asked to join on-call, make sure that it's, let's say, so somehow fairly organized. And again, everyone bought in because you are up for some adventure if you just join some, you know, quickly fabricable on-call process. So yeah, and if you can't have it, properly organized, I would say pass on it. It doesn't really worth your lost sleep and everything else that comes with it. Okay. Warner, you got any got any advice for our listeners who are trying to set up a don't or, do on call. Fix on call. <laughs> don't do on Apart call. from don't do on call. Run away from the on call. <laughs> <laughs> okay, everybody answered mine for me. So uh, I, I honestly have to say that if you're trying to do on call and I like Again, full buy-in is, I think, the most important part. Like, as soon if you have people actively fighting against, maybe not full buy-in, but at least key key stakeholder buy-in. Um, I honestly have to say, make sure you have a proper down page or maintenance page. Like, know when to kind of cut your losses and say, guys, I we all grab a couple of hours of sleep and just be down. Etla, what do you got for us? If you're trying to get buy-in from other people, make sure you show some metrics, right? Make sure you get some actual value in how much it costs to be 
how much it costs for your company to be down. Um, I think that's going to be super important and it's going to actually, you know, steer the conversation much better. Um, and probably the most important one, have a process. Like if you say you have on call and you have no process, you have no outcome, you have no learnings out of it. It's not going to be very useful. You just have an on call for having an on call. Uh, try to have a process, right? Try to get some learning out of it so you can actually improve yourself in the next incident if it happens. So I, I would say those are the two most important, at least for me, were super important. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think from my end, I'm I'm gonna build on that a little bit, which is um, on call can be a hell of an adrenaline rush. It also sucks, especially when it seems like it's a never ending thing that you're just going to be doing on call every month or whatever for the rest of your life because nothing is changing nothing is improving so start on call from the idea that you're that ideally no one is ever going to be paged maybe that's not the reality but with the aim that you're going to reduce the number of pages that people are going to get start from a position of empathy and and providing if you can't provide compensation, then providing days off or just saying like, hey, like take the morning if the phone rings in the middle of the night or something like that. Make sure that, that you you realize that it's a sucky situation for these people to be in and give them the thanks that they need for, for participating in that process. Have a, a definition of what is and isn't a critical incident so that like if something, you know, oh, it's a bit slow, I guess I'll wake someone up at 4 a.m. Is, is not cool. Or it might be, it might, that might actually be a big issue in your company, but have a definition in your domain of what, and what isn't, isn't important and, and make sure that the engineers have what they need to succeed. Um, both in terms of, you know, sanity, but also having the tooling that they need and, uh, you know, these people are going to have to carry their laptops everywhere. At the very least you can do is pay for the tethering plan if they have to tether somewhere. So, yeah. Uh, so, um, as I said... May I add one thing here? And I think this is something which do. is please do. coming from pretty much every part of this conversation, which is this on-call process is for everybody to learn from. And this goes from every aspect of this process. Every side effect is to learn because when a critical happens, when you're paging somebody, you can learn from why it occurred. You can learn from how it was tri triaged. You can learn from the business impact, the communications. All those things are things you can learn from. And I think this is also really important is grow from those learnings. Like once you learn something, address it. Work with everybody in the team to improve it. Maybe you cannot fix the issue when MasterCard is down. But you can learn from how you communicate to your customers. You can learn from how you um, set up certain warnings, how you have a maintenance page pop up. All those kind of things. And I think this is really important uh, with these concepts. It's not just about fixing the current bug. It's learning from why that bug occurred, how you actually solved it, how you communicated it, and how you can continue forward. And ultimately being better off than you were before the bug and making the best of a bad situation, I think. Um, Absolutely. 100%. Okay, so uh, as I said, this has been our first episode on incident response uh, and next time the plan is to talk about 
dealing with the natural ongoing incident. And it sounds like we probably, I don't know how I missed this in our initial planning, but we should probably have an episode about post-mortem sometime as well. No. So, <laughs> so maybe one day we'll have one, or Max might talk us out of it. We will see. <laughs> can we please not call it post-mortem? We can, we can Why call not? it tea parties then. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So thank you for listening to the Critical Channel. You can find us on the web at criticalchannel.io or on Twitter at, at Criticalio. There he is. That's the whole reason he joins us for the show, just to yep. say that. <laughs> Thank you all, and catch you next time. Thank you. Ciao, ciao. Ciao. Later.